This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash checkthelocks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Check the Locks presents True Crime for the short on time. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us as we dive into yet another truly terrifying bite-sized true crime case. Before we begin, as always, Olivia, it's wonderful to see you. How are you? How has your week been? Always a pleasure. Good to see you too. Oh, my week's low-key. Just uh, hanging out, doing some Check the Locks things. How about you? Oh, you know, just uh, researching some cases and working on some editing and stuff, but you know me, I am always super happy to be here and recording with you. This is a highlight of my week. You did something a little bit different last week for your short on time. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something a little bit different for mine. So I'm really excited to get into it with you and see what you think and see what the listeners think. Yeah. I really like experimenting on these short on times. So feedback is greatly appreciated. Yeah. I'm in my experimental phase. I'm in my experimental era. Yeah. Say it like a Taylor Swift fan. The era's tour. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm short on time, John. So if you want to jump right in, go for it. I'm short on time. I know you're short on time. The listeners are short on time. So what do you say? Should we quit with the Gabby Gabby? Get with the stabby stabby. Yes. Awesome. Well, this week we are actually traveling to the Pacific Northwest where an unusually large number of missing people in Portland has the community alarmed. Now, this year, There have been 140 people reported missing from Multnomah County, which includes Portland. And of the 140 reported, over half of those, Olivia, are women or girls. I was just looking up Multnomah County just to kind of see where it is and how big it is. And it looks like for 2020 that the population was about 800,000 people. So it's a pretty decent sized place, but like 140 people is a lot of people. Yeah, especially just from January to now, right? We're only six right. months into the year. Six so that's, months in. That's a pretty big number. Yeah. Now, not only are all of these people going missing, but 
the bodies of six women have been discovered over the past few months, and it has many people believing that a serial killer may be active in the area. And this is happening right now. Yeah, I know. And this is what I was saying. I wanted to do something a little bit different because normally I come and I'm like, here's a case. This is what happened. Something like that. But this is very much nobody really seems to know what's going on and bodies are just kind of turning up. So it's really kind of intense. I mean, this is like what we talk about all the time. It's almost like if we're having like an Idaho murder type thing happening where we're going to have another serial killer. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. You know, we talked about these bodies turning up. In February of this year, the body of 22-year-old Kristen Smith was found in a wooded area of Portland's Pleasant Valley neighborhood. She had been reported missing two months earlier in December of 2022. Additionally, the remains of 22-year-old Ashley Reel were found by a fisherman in a wooded area near Eagle Creek. Reel had been reported missing in March of this year. Then, 32-year-old Joanna Speaks was found dead on April 8th. Her body was discovered outside of a barn in a remote area of Washington State. Now, at this time, Joanna is the only victim whose death has actually been ruled a homicide. Then there's 24-year-old Charity Perry. She was found on April 24th. Now, Charity suffered from schizophrenia and substance abuse issues. She was last seen in early March after being discharged from a local hospital where she was revived after an overdose. Her body was found in a gutter near Portland's Ainworth State Park. Additionally, the police also found the body of another unidentified woman on April 24th. This victim, who has not yet been identified at the time of this recording, was found in a tent in Portland's Lentz neighborhood. And then finally, there was 31-year-old Bridget Webster. Her body was found on Harmony Road near Mill Creek. So before we go any further, I mean, I feel like I just gave a laundry list of women who are just turning up dead over the course of just a couple of months. Yeah, I feel as though some of these could be drug overdoses, and I feel like some of them could be true homicides. Or it could be both, and it could just be, you know, these serial killers have a system, you know, maybe every other one or something. Maybe there's more to the trend than what we see right now. But I think the ones that are found in the parks and in the wooded areas, I feel like those could potentially be true homicides. What do you think? Yeah, it's definitely strange, you know, because it's where they're being found for me that I'm like, Mm -hmm. something is weird. You know what I mean? And you hit a very important point there, which we're going to get into here in just a little bit. But, you know, it may be that it's just a vulnerable community or it may be that there's someone preying on a vulnerable community. And that's, you know, I think right. where. Yeah. That's so I'm like, it could be a little bit of both. But then if you leave someone by their tent who obviously is using drugs and potentially homeless, like you're less likely going to rule that a homicide and more of a overdose, you know? Yeah. So I feel like this could be like a 50-50 thing. But, I mean, I live in a city where it's like that. Like, I mean, we get patients all the time who have no names that are using drugs and we have to fingerprint them. And it's a whole thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, substance abuse issues are a hell of a thing. You know what I mean? And it makes it really hard and it puts people down paths that. You know, you're living a life that you know you probably never hoped to live or you know thought about living or anything like that. So you know, I like I said, you're hitting some points that we're going to touch on here in just a little bit. But 
what's really interesting is the police are saying that there is no connections between the victims at this point, and officials are currently condemning the speculation. They say that these claims are spreading anxiety and fear and are not supported by the facts that are available at this time. And I will be honest, I struggled a little bit when I was like, should I talk about this or not? Because if it's not a serial killer, something of that nature, I definitely don't want to contribute to that. But we have also done a bunch of cases where these bodies start turning up and police are like, there's no connection, only to find out later that this is the work of one person. So right. why it is speculation. It could be very important for people to know. Yeah. And just a lot of coincidences there that it's like, you know, again, it's just something felt weird when I was researching this. And I was like, I think I want to talk about this. Now, Joseph Gia Cologne, who is a retired New York Police Department sergeant, he believes that the number of disappearances should be a major cause of concern. Gia Cologne, who is now an adjunct professor at the John Jay College of Criminal Justice, says that the sheer number of missing persons should be considered a public safety concern. That's very true, because regardless of what this is, the public needs to be aware and the city and the or the county really needs to be taking care of what's happening, whether it's a opioid epidemic, whether it's a serial killer, you know, whether it's, you know, anything, something in the community is wrong. Yeah, especially when the number of open cases that involve missing women and girls in the first half of this year is already well over the 46 that they had at the end of 2022. So this is happening and the cases that have happened in the first six months involving only missing women and girls is doubled what they ended at in 2022. So like that's insane. Something shifted. Something's wrong. Yeah. Now, to the point that you were making earlier, Oregonians have reported some of the highest rates of substance abuse disorders in the nation on federal surveys. In fact, the opioid crisis is nearly three decades old there. Additionally, the state consistently has among the lowest treatment available in the country, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. So as we've discussed in other cases, communities who are battling this type of drug problem are often victims of opportunity if there is a serial killer on the loose. And this community could potentially be a killer's hunting ground. And Olivia, I think a really good example of this is Robert Hansen, the butcher baker. I mean, we just did an episode on him a couple of weeks ago where he was preying on sex workers and again, just a vulnerable part of the community where if somebody went missing, they weren't really likely to get reported. Right. I thought the same thing about the pig farmer episode that we did, Willie Pickton, where again, it was the same thing. You're preying on sex workers, just this vulnerable section of the community and it takes forever to find out, you know what I mean? So So I'm saying this, this case could go either way for me. Yeah. And I mean, Obviously, this case is still developing and we're going to be keeping an eye on it if there is any big movement or anything like that. And while I definitely hope that there is not a serial killer roaming the Portland streets, the number of victims found in such a short time is definitely suspicious. So that's what I had for this week. I just want to talk about it because I found it super interesting. I know we discussed it a little bit as we went through, but walk me through. What are your thoughts? What are you thinking? Yeah, I think that the county needs to sit down and start figuring out what's happening. Because 140 people missing in basically six months is a lot of people in one small area. So something is happening there that maybe the health department is aware of and is investigating and we just don't know about it. But surely if that was the case, they would come out and say these things as all these women are going missing and men, but mostly women. So I don't know. Something's not right. Or it could be a serial killer. Yeah. And that's what Mm -hmm. strikes me as odd because 
substance abuse doesn't affect one gender over the other, right? Like, no, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not an expert in it, but I'm sure if you polled a hundred people about what kind of recreational drugs they take, you come probably 50, 50 between women and men. Right. I would think so. But it's the fact that so many of these are involving missing women and girls that that's what's kind of throwing the alarm off for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And there are some people saying that, you know, because of the drug problem, they do have an issue with there being just a, a ton of people who are unhoused and having tent cities and things like that. And so maybe it's linked into that just kind of a transient lifestyle where, you know, you are taking drugs and not living in the safest conditions. But again, for me, it's like, yes, that could be the problem, but it could also be someone who is like, these people won't be missed, you know? Right. So. Mm-hmm. So if we're talking, you know, our little mini deadbolt test, where does something like this fall on yours? Because I know this isn't a concrete story. This is more of like a theory or something that could be happening. And I thought this would be interesting, too, because, again, this is a little bit different than what we normally do. If this was happening in the greater New Orleans area where people were just going missing, I'm going to say an eight. Because I feel like I'm of this population, maybe age range and female, but... You know, if it's someone preying on a different population that I am not involved in, then I'm not so worried about it. And if it's just a epidemic of opioids, then I'm not really worried about that either. But if it's a serial killer, I would be really uneasy if 140 people went missing from the greater New Orleans area. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I'm also wondering that if it is a serial killer, because we've talked about this before, but you know, a lot of serial killers, they will start with what they think are, you know, again, easy targets, right? That vulnerable mm-hmm. section of the community, and then they eventually escalate. So my hope is that this is just kind of a fluke and maybe it is substance abuse related or, you know, just a reflection of kind of what's happening at this point and not someone who is kind of working their way up to do something worse, you know? Right. It really reminded me of, I, I know I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I'm a horror movie fan. And Stephen King's It. Have you seen that? Did you see the remake or the original one when you were a kid? I watched the original one. I think we've talked about this. And my best friend lived down the street from me. And in the curve of our street, there was a... um, The sewer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the sewer. And I would run past it all the time. Yes, I have. Yes. Well, in that movie, like kids are going missing Mm -hmm. nonstop. And it's literally just like they put up a missing persons flyer and then another one on top of it and then another one on top of it. And it had that kind of vibe as we were going through. I do remember you talking about that. That was like episodes ago. ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. I think for me, I would have to put it at a six, but that would be a six right now because there's still that question. Is it something nefarious going on or is it society issues and the pendulum is just swinging one direction, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And this is also one of those stories that I feel like, you know, a day or two or three or maybe even a couple of weeks from now, this could go from a six to a 10. But we definitely need to figure out what's happening. And especially with Oregon having such a low treatment response, it definitely feels like something needs to be done. Yeah, I agree. Something is not right and it all needs to be investigated, whatever it is. Definitely. Well, that is where we fall on the deadbolt test for this week's episode. Olivia is putting it at an eight. I'm coming through at a six. But we want to know where does a possible Portland serial killer fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod. Find us on Twitter at Check the Locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, what are you doing? Come hang out with us. We would love to get to know you and interact with you. We are in there daily hanging out. So come hang out with us. 
And as always, if you are interested in financially supporting Check the Locks, you can do so by becoming a patron. That's right. Head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks. Get signed up today. Got a lot of great stuff in there. Exclusive stickers, t-shirts, coffee mugs, all stuff that you can only get from being a patron. Plus, you get the episodes early and ad free. So if you love Check the Locks, but you hate commercials, sign up on Patreon. We would love to have you as part of the Patreon family if you want to help us keep the lights on. And if you cannot financially support Check the Locks, we definitely understand. Just listening and sharing the show with your friends and family means just as much, if not more. I know we say it all the time, but that is the best way for us to grow, to get in front of new listeners and really build out our community is by you telling people how much you like the show. So if that is you, just know that we appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. means the world to us. That is all that we have for this week's case, but please make sure that you are subscribed to Check the Locks on your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with a brand new, truly terrifying, bite-sized true crime case. But until then, don't forget to check the locks. See ya.